Thank you for joining the Dark Light Podcast. Here at the Dark Light Podcast, you will find information about the absolute truth. Hang on tight as we go to discover the light in the darkness. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew seven, twenty-one. So Jesus the Christ is here letting us know that without using our will to do the will of the Father who is in heaven, we cannot obtain eternal life and enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, where would we find the will of the Father? Would it be in the Old Testament or in the New Testament? Would it be in the words of God or would it be in the words of man? It is extremely important that we get this fundamental framework correct. Without understanding the parameters, the guidelines, the framework, the goalpost, where it is placed, without understanding that, all hope is lost. You cannot succeed and win at the game of life if you don't know where the edges of the field actually are. You must take the time to discover the true meaning to life. It is extremely important that we invest our time and our energy into discovering the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. Eternal life is not something to be taken lightly. Immortality is a quest which we all can achieve, but only those who do the will of the Father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons 
and in your name perform many miracles? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Why do you think that Jesus the Christ was so emphatic about those who will not be saved, those who, in spite of the fact that they were clearly followers of Jesus the Christ, they will not be saved. Why is it that even though they had the power, the perceived power of the Spirit of God in their lives, capable of casting out demons, performing miracles, and yet Jesus the Christ rejects them. Why is that? Jesus the Christ emphatically says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity, you who are lawless, you who have disregarded my law. Depart from me. I never knew you. We can see that from these words, these pronouncements from the mouth of Jesus the Christ, the single most important factor which was disregarded by all the well-meaning Christians, followers of Jesus the Christ, was the fact that they disregarded the law of God itself. Remember that only those who do the will of the Father, which is in heaven, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus will never accept miracles, speaking in tongues, healings, mighty works, casting out demons. Those acts, as good as they may seem, are worthless without understanding and living a life that is compatible with the law of God itself. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Jesus the Christ said, 
even though you call me Lord, I will not allow you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, you lawless ones. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light of dawn in them. For many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew twenty-two, fourteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And yet, why is it that so many are called, but few are chosen? The calling and the choosing are very significant points, especially in an individual's life. There will come a time when the calling of the Lord will be placed upon your heart. You will feel the calling of God in your life, and yet you may be unwilling to follow in the path that leads to eternal life. Eternal life, immortality, is not guesswork. It is not happenstance. It is not luck. Eternal life is a gift that God bestows on all those who have chosen to follow God in its very entirety so that the will of God, the law of God, the words of Jesus the Christ are emphatic that whosoever believes, but that belief must have an action, a doing, because once again, only those who do the will of the Father, which is in heaven, shall be granted a place in the kingdom of God. 
for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Matthew 7, 14. Many times today in evangelical Christian circles, at camp meetings, evangelical seminars, we hear that all you have to do to be saved is accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just accept the fact that he died on a cross for your sins. And as long as you say that you believe that, you're good to go. You're saved. It is impossible for that simplistic sinner's prayer, as they call it, to guarantee your everlasting life. Jesus the Christ emphatically stated that the way to eternal life was narrow and hard. Why did he say that? Not only is it narrow and hard, but few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it. So the road less traveled, the narrow road, the path which is hard, obscure, hidden, leads to eternal life. The easy path, the broad way, the way of the world, the way of the nominal Christian, those who profess a form of belief in Jesus and yet do not have the works of a Christ life. They have not been changed to reflect the image of Jesus the Christ. They have no desire to study the scriptures, to study the word of God, to discover the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. They just believe in Jesus. And they believe that by confessing that they believe, they're saved. It's simple. It's easy. But it's wrong.
And Jesus the Christ emphatically says so when he says the way is hard. The way is narrow. Few there be that find it. Many are called, but few are chosen. It is important that we consider the cost of being a follower of Jesus the Christ. It will cost you everything you have. There is no stone unturned when it comes to living the Christ life. Jesus the Christ himself said, All those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And at the same time, Jesus the Christ said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John fourteen fifteen Berean Study Bible The statements of Jesus the Christ are at times so plain that it is impossible to sidestep the meaning of his words. If you love me. This idea of love to God, love to man, love your neighbor as yourself, love God supremely, is reiterated in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. It is so plain and so obvious that Jesus is in fact Jehovah. He is in fact the lawgiver on Mount Sinai. He is in fact the Eternal One. And this fact is so well understood by most theologians that they spend years trying to whittle away the law of God so that Jesus the Christ can be loved by simply some other less of a requirement, some other way. But Jesus said there is no other way. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus to Christ did not say you will try to keep my commandments. He said you will keep my commandments. 
Love to God is demonstrated and displayed in our lives by keeping the commandments of God. The commandments of God as spoken on Mount Sinai. The commandments of God as written in the hearts of man in the Garden of Eden. In six days, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Theologians spend years and years studying ways to override and explain away the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. They know that Jesus emphatically stated, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He's not asking, He's telling you that your love for God will be demonstrated in your ability by faith to keep the law of God. Make no mistake. God is not mocked. If you ignore the parameters that have already been laid down in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, the words of Jesus the Christ himself emphatically state, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there is no light in them. Isaiah 8, 20 The law and the testimony form the framework for all truth. You can never know the truth if you do not place your information within the framework of the law and the testimony. The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. David tells us this under inspiration in Psalms 119 we reiterate again and again 
the idea that the law of God is immutable, unchangeable, perfect, the standard. It will be the standard by which the world is judged. In the final day, the Bible tells us that every knee shall bow and proclaim that God is just. Even those that are lost, even the devil himself, will profess that God is a just God. The only way that justice can be known, that justice can be carried out, that justice can be the standard, is if there is a law. The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. 1 John 2.4 Amplified Version Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, is a liar and the truth of the divine word is not in him. When it comes to the subject of spirituality, God, religion, philosophical ideals, it is very easy for those who are trained and have years of study and experience in the things that relate to spirituality to be able to twist and subject the arguments and the ideas of what has become known as theology and theological structure into a mosaic which is so distorted as to lead the average person down a road which leads nowhere. It is easy to use big words. It is easy to use these big words in a way that causes us to feel important, to think and to act as if we know what we're talking about, when in fact we're just ignoring the most basic, fundamental ideas as presented in the Word of God itself.
to lay out a foundation and then attempt to remove a block here, a corner there, a stone somewhere else, and pretend as if we haven't done that is so disingenuous that, in my opinion, all of the theologians, all of the pastors, all of the priests, bishops, pontificates should all resign, step down, walk away. And since they won't, you should. Because the truth, although hidden, is knowable. The truth is not some sort of silly putty that we get to play with that we get to form into our own image, that we get to push around and try to fill in the cracks. The truth is absolute. The truth must be rendered in an absolute sort of way. We must be careful as we discuss and think about what constitutes the absolute truth. But the framework in which the absolute truth must fit has been plainly laid out for us in the Word of God. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible, makes no mistake about the lines that must be drawn in order for the truth to be found. If you violate those simple rules which have been laid down since time immemorial in the Word of God, if you sidestep the law of God as written down in the Bible itself, if you pretend as if some verses are more important than other verses and you ignore the verses you don't like, you run the risk of missing out. You run the risk of losing. You will be tested. You will be tried. But only those who do the will of the Father will be allowed to enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, of course, theologians have then gone out of their way to remove the commandments, at least the ones they don't like. Maybe the first one maybe the fourth one, maybe the fifth one, whichever one doesn't fit their fancy. 
And then they go to great lengths to try to explain why those commandments aren't important. Why those commandments aren't really necessary to be kept or to be observed or to be understood or to be talked about or to be paid attention to. It is outrageous that today fundamentalist Christians, evangelical fundamentalist Christians, have sidestepped the Word of God for some other theology. You hear great discussions today about denominationalism, churches, which ones are doing the will of God and which ones are not. I suggest to you that unless they can show that they are standing on the word of God itself, the law and the testimony, unless they can show that they are all just a laughing stock. They are all kidding themselves. Whether you call yourself a denomination or a church or a non-denominational congregation, it really doesn't matter. You're still a 501c3. You're still purporting to be a follower of the word. And at the same time, pretending as if your circle of friends, followers, congregationalists are somehow better than the next church down the street. People are people. People are fallible. People are not good. Jesus the Christ said only one is good and that is the Father who is in heaven. So when we begin to strategize and we begin to pretend as if we can move the markers, we can move the bricks, we can move the corner post. It is then that we fall off the cliff. We all are drowning in an ocean of unknowing. But we must take the time to realize that the truth is knowable. The truth is present. The truth does not change. And it is within the framework that has been handed to us that we must understand where the truth actually lies. Where is it sitting? What does it look like? If we pretend that 
the borders and the guidelines and the barriers that have been put in place for time immemorial don't exist or don't matter anymore, or since we're under the so-called new covenant, the old covenant is useless. If we make those kinds of judgment calls, those kinds of assumptions, we ignore Jesus the Christ, what he says, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. The Old Testament of the Holy Bible testifies to Jesus the Christ. We can never assume that we can know who Jesus the Christ actually is without absorbing and studying the Old Testament along with the New Testament. The question then arises, what if there is a so-called perceived discrepancy between the New Testament and the Old Testament? Which one do we believe and which one do we discard? My suggestion is that we look carefully at both the Old Testament and the New Testament. But when we're going to distill an idea, we must always distill the idea through the Old Testament, through the law and the testimony which the law gives us. We can never sidestep the law of God. David in Psalms tells us that the law of God is settled forever in heaven. The law can never be done away with. The law can never be ignored because only those who do the will of the Father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus the Christ was emphatic that there was only one exclusive way to obtain everlasting life. Immortality is not a natural subset. It's not a natural outcome of living your life well. Immortality is a gift that is only given to those who have faith and do the will of the Father who is in heaven. Jesus the Christ never changed the law. Why? Because he's the lawgiver. On Mount Sinai, when God gave the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, he said that these laws stand 
forever. When God created the heavens and the earth, he made sure to write his law in the hearts of Adam and Eve. As time went along and Adam and Eve departed from the truth, they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The evil one came into this world and destroyed the law of God. He said the law of God could not be kept. The law of God is foolishness. The law of God is a waste of time. And Jesus the Christ was sent to earth. He gave up his kingdom in heaven. He gave up the whole universe in order to become a simple man. To prove once and for all that in order to obtain eternal life, a person must be true to the word of God. A person must live a life according to the will of the Father. Jesus the Christ lived a perfect, sinless life in order to teach mankind the requirements of everlasting life. Jesus the Christ is the Savior of the world because He shows us how to live a blameless, perfect life. Theologians want to argue about theology, but they ignore the framework which has been laid down in the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible, is consistent from beginning to end. If we think we find a discrepancy, it's because of the translation process. The translation process is not inspired. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus the Christ, when he was tempted by the devil, rebuked the devil with, It is written. Every time the devil tried to cause Jesus the Christ to sin, to break the law, Jesus responded by, It is written. We must do the same thing. 
when we are tempted, when we are given the opportunity to step off the path and make a wrong choice, we must pull ourselves back and say, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible is our only foundation which can give us the means to stand against the wiles of the devil. The arrows will come. The trials will come. But we must resist the devil and he will flee from us. But we can only resist by it is written. The word of God is our defense. The word of God is our foundation. The word of God is our armor. The word of God is our sword. Never forget, God is here now, and he is willing to step into your life through his Holy Spirit and guide you into all truth, if you will only ask today. You have been listening to The Dark Light. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends about The Dark Light Podcast. We would love to have you here each and every day to discover the light in the darkness. Thank you.